Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, folks. Justin Rogers here. John Neo joining me virtually in this this new world and uh, trying something different today. Um, we're trying to do a, uh, a Lions video, maybe involve the readers a little bit, our our, uh, our subscribers, and um, you know, kind of taking the place, I guess, of our our Lions lowdown videos we've done uh, the last couple of years. John, we can still call it the lowdown if you want. I don't know. Yeah. Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to shut my email off because that's that's dinging and probably noticeable to everyone that that may watch this at some point. Technical we'll difficulties. Talk about the lions and they're still low right now where we oh, left them. So man. You want to just kick it off that way. Yeah, I think we might have had more viewers if we did this before the season started. We might have lost half the bandwagon already. Um, how about that? Yeah. We didn't do a post game video, so I mean, no, we, right, we were so sitting we, on different decks. We didn't really get the chance to uh, talk as we normally do throughout the game and after the game. So, um, you know what? What are your initial takeaways from from my, Sunday? Yeah, my initial thoughts were, you know, what I was. I was getting ready to write a column there, and then at the point I suggested, you know what, maybe I'll just dust off that TJ Hawkinson column. I didn't. I ended up deleting after the uh, fourth quarter in the opener last year in Arizona, and then I realized, no, I just can run the one that I wrote after that Arizona game because it was just a carbon copy in so many ways. It was unbelievable that it just played out almost exactly the same way. Big lead, starting to get some optimistic thoughts if you're a Lions fan, then all of a sudden it just unravels kind of horrific fashion and leaves you with all those same questions. And you wrote about it today. I mean, all those same questions that it's not fair to pin on a new team, a new whatever. And yet when they do it again, then it does raise all those same questions about, okay, have we gotten anywhere? Where, you know, where does this thing stand? Why is it the same thing? And again, it goes back to that same old Lions moniker that we, we thought we'd buried, they thought they'd buried, but, you know, you play like that in the fourth quarter down the stretch against Trubisky and the Bears in an opener, and it's going to ask – we're going to ask those same questions until they prove that that is truly behind them, and it's not right now. Well, one thing I want to point out here is, uh, as viewers are, are slowly joining, is, um, you know, we will kind of be taking questions as, as this thing gets going. Uh, so feel free to, you know, drop those into the Zoom chat. we got a moderator that will feed them to us and, and – We'll, we'll try to squeeze them in between our own long-winded uh, speeches here. But, uh, John, we've been covering this long enough. You know you can never start writing a game story the last, <laughs> the last possible minute. You know, I'm, I'm never going to forget the season with the eight comebacks. I mean, how many right. game stories I, I trashed. I imagine the same thing with you with, with how many columns you, you just had to delete and start over. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I was guilty. Rod, Rod Beard with his hashtag start writing. I, right, I yep. definitely had a – pretty healthy game story ready to go about midway through the third quarter or sorry, fourth quarter. Um, you really shouldn't blow a 17 point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, the bears were not playing well. Um, and, and I felt safe doing it and I don't know why 
maybe I didn't have the the warm up the preseason. Maybe I was not prepared for what was to come next, and and maybe I'd buried all the the history that told me that that was a bad idea. But um, earned again. Yeah. So the reasons quickly. We don't need to dwell a ton on. The, the opener there is another game this week that we can look forward to too but look you do have to dissect this a little bit and so the question is is i mean what happened what how did they blow it why did they blow it and and it still comes back to the defense um injuries certainly played a role i'm curious though your thoughts i mean look you lose your essentially you're finishing that game with without three of your top four cornerbacks and and that's part of the reason why mitch trubisky's making some of those throws but they also man back to sort of their old more familiar predictable if you will um coverage is there at the end and, and Trubisky I mean you you wrote about it I mean the play to Anthony Miller that was almost a carbon copy as again I'm using that same language but last year's Bears game what what do you think played into that fourth quarter defensive meltdown I think there's there's four reasons. You, you hit on one with the injuries. You know, you take away that much of your secondary. It's always going to be tough to overcome. Uh, we we don't give excuses to to teams for injuries because that's just part of football. Uh, I think maybe if it was Matthew Stafford, um, you know, maybe that's the one exception. Your quarterback goes out. Uh, two, uh, I look at the coaching decisions, and and the one biggest one being the uh, the decision to kick the field goal from 55 mm-hmm. yards out. You're up 10. Uh, I, I don't know the big difference between 10 and 13. I mean, mathematically, I understand it, but it's four minutes remaining. Um, the Bears have not driven longer than 58 yards in the game to that point. You kick the punt. You force them to drive the length of the field. Your punter and your coverage units were playing excellent. There was a low yep. risk there. Even if you were even worried about it remotely, you kick it out of bounds. You force them to drive the length of the field. Instead, they're in the end zone. I think it's five plays later. Uh you look at the play of the quarterback, two big critical mistakes. One, taking the sack that pushed him back far enough right. for their two. two, terrible interception. I mean, Eddie Jackson is is a foil for Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's got him in the past, and he got him there. And then, uh, you know, four, you had you had the moment. You had the game back in your grasp, and then it it slipped out of right. uh, the rookie fingers. And, I, you know, I, I don't think there was any problem with the play call. I don't think there was any problem with the personnel. I don't think it was wrong to put a rookie in a big moment like that because that's no. why you drafted him that high and that's his skill set. Yeah. Uh, it just there are moments that like that that happen in football games, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure the Lions fans can list two dozen of them that have that have happened to them, and it seems like it happens to them more than anybody. But uh, yeah. And it sounds, look, it sounds like a cliche when you say, well, it shouldn't have come down to that. But it, it's true. It shouldn't have come down to one play at the end. Yes, he dropped the pass and would have won the game, but it should not have come down. And you mentioned it. I mean, look, the sack Stafford took, you can't take. Uh, and, you know, maybe it, he admitted afterwards he would do it over again. He would throw that one away. Um, the coaching decision, like you mentioned, I do think before that, the the sort of conservative play calling on that drive, you know, back-to-back sort of handoffs to Peterson. They're trying to force him to call their timeouts and get it. But um, they had been a little more aggressive on the previous drive, you know, throwing on first down a couple of times, keep, you know, the play calling wasn't an issue except for those couple plays where maybe I would take issue with, yeah, I got a little too much of, we're just hanging on here and, and not being aggressive. Um, But, you know, the other thing I, that felt like a Stafford, I got to do something. I got to 
do something on my own here. I'm going to rifle this in there, the pass to Jones over the middle. Amendola got jammed up on the line by Mack, and so then, then he just fires one in there that's across the middle where bad things can happen, and certainly a bad thing did happen. I think he was probably a little frustrated. You know, look, he has no Kenny Galladay out there, so all those deep shots, I mean, the Bears were playing two high safeties. He, I think he said something like 80% of the game. We haven't watched the film to, to look and see if, how accurate that is, but it felt like it, that they were keeping a lid on things. And, you know, he, he didn't have guy, he didn't have those deep shots that we saw last year in the play action game as much, um, partly because Galladay is not there and partly because the Bears knew Galladay wasn't there. So um, I think there was a little bit of a, here, I'm going to try to win this right here kind of thing. And, and it had bit him. You know, I, I'd have to go back and look at it. You, I think you posted the stats in your column, the um, the fourth quarter leads that have been blown right. under Patricia. Uh, do you know the numbers off the top of your head? It was head? seven last year, as we I mean, felt like every game last year. But it's seven last year and now one this year and 11. You know, and, and 11 I, and 33 games. That's that's hard to explain. It's hard. To, it's impossible to ignore, and it's kind of hard to explain away, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, I think people are always going to want to – uh, comp Matt Patricia to, to the previous regime with, with Jim Caldwell. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's absolutely a, f- a fair discussion. Uh, Jim Caldwell got let go with, with a winning record and back to back nine and seven seasons. And, and obviously Patricia has fallen far, far short of that, but um, it's got nine wins know, two plus years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the one thing about Caldwell's team that I think we always were quick to praise was their, poise, calmness, ability to finish close games. You know, I mentioned it in, in, you know, just with, with having to delete all those game stories, but they did have eight fourth quarter comebacks that year. And, um, you know, you go back and you look at the talent of those rosters and and they probably overachieved. And I don't think, you know, many people would disagree with that. Um, I, I, I look at the biggest flaw of Matt Patricia's coaching here is the, the way they finish games. We, we know NFL games are close. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's a reflection of, of his personality and, and having guys kind of on edge with, with his um, intensity and, and the way he, he kind of gets after guys and on the practice field and, and on the sideline. Um, I don't know if it's an, an X's and O's thing, but for whatever reason, they can't get over the hump consistently with this guy and, you know, if, if they don't turn it around here in a hurry, that that's ultimately going to be his undoing. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's the defensive side of, now we just pointed out some offensive issues that led to the fact that it came down to the wire like that, but it's, you know, by and large, it's been the defensive struggles that have cost them these games. Um, and, you know, again, top two cornerbacks are out. Um, it felt like they, they had, Trubisky rattled in the first half playing a lot more zone and maybe towards the end, especially with guys out, maybe they didn't feel comfortable doing some of that stuff. I don't know, but, but it did feel like they just sort of fell into a familiar trap at the end defensively. And if you're not getting pressure, which we've talked about that now for far too long, it seems like, but they, I mean, they Trubisky got hit once right uh, on Sunday, if that's happening and then you've got, you know, guys who, you weren't expecting to be playing at the end of that game. Yeah, you're going to get beat and on some of those throws. And Trubisky made a couple of nice throws, but he also, look, he made some awful throws. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, if it was Aaron Rodgers, which it's going to be this week, um, they're not up 17 points to lose that lead because Trubisky was just erratic as kind of as advertised 
up until the end there. Uh, I'm going to switch gears really quickly here. We we got a, a question, um, and, and before we get into the Packers, you know, I want to kind of hit that. Um, you know, there, there's a a curiosity about how the team is handling uh, the COVID threat and and things that they're doing um, to prevent players from getting sick. And you know, this, this isn't just a Lions thing. Um, yeah. you know, I think it was fairly impressive that uh, there wasn't a, a positive test across the league on on Sunday. Um, in, in terms of what the Lions are doing, uh, obviously league-wide COVID testing every day. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to go through that as a reporter for 15 oh, days during training camp. Uh, yeah. Little little yeah. double nostril swab. You, you learn what it's all about real fast. Um, Wasn't so, as bad as I thought, by the way. Yeah, it, your daily routine. I mean, the, I went in for two just because I was became incapacitated or went on vacation or just up and quit. I was yeah. Fill in, and the reason, and I guess to explain, look, you guys are at practice. We're at practice. You guys are the beat writers. You're at practice every day um, in camp, um, and it's outdoors unless you know terrible weather, and that's an, a running joke, obviously, with Patricia and the snow practices and everything else. But, but it, the reason why you guys were getting tested was in case practice move indoors, in order to be allowed to go in indoors with the team and continue covering practice training camp, you guys were going to have to get tested to go in that facility. Cause we're not going to set foot in that facility. Otherwise at all the media room, everything else is closed this year for us. Um, so yeah, it was, they got a trailer out back bioreference. You go in, get a swab up your nostril. It wasn't as bad as I thought. And then you've got those results the next morning, they've got them the next morning. So getting tested daily, you've, you're preventing the outbreak, not preventing somebody from testing positive, obviously. And that's, you know, that's what these colleges are trying to figure out right now with the Big Ten and everything else is how do we get daily or rapid testing? And the NFL has done it. I don't know how much they're paying, but it's a ton of money, I'm sure. Yeah, the, the Lions did not have a positive test since they have right. started allowing players in the building. They had eight, including Matthew Stafford's false positive, uh, before training camp started, before they were allowed in the building. They had to have three negative tests before they are even allowed in the facility. Within the facility, plexiglass everywhere. Um, you know, obviously they have to fill out medical surveys every day, get their temperature taken every day. Um, there's all kinds of social distancing uh, that's been employed, whether it's the weight room, the training room, the cafeteria, all the food now is uh, individually ordered through an app. Um, and then the other thing is they, they uh, have wearable mm-hmm. microchip devices for when they're in the facility alone but it's a, it's a contact tracing. So if there were to be a player, just, you know, random player that, that ends up testing positive, they're able to quickly track what players he was in contact with for the duration. Um, so, and, for, and, for, and for, you know, periods of more than whatever it is, I can't remember 10, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever. Um, and, and they're, I mean, they're all wearing them, coaches, staff, Bob Quinn's wearing one. If, it, if you get within X number of feet of, you know, the tier one guys or, or the players and coaches, and if they get within, you know, X number of feet of somebody who's tier two, like you beeps or whatever. And, and yeah, it's, it's, look, it's pretty impressive. Um, it's to me, it's impressive that, that we're playing football here this fall without, you know, a rash of positives and, and really without any, serious problems like major league baseball had um we'll see now as teams go on the road and travel but football is a lot more um 
they're just they're cooped up all day. I mean, they're just they're in the facility. They don't have as much downtime as baseball or some of these other sports have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing that football has going for it, at least at the NFL level. Um, it but, does seem like I'm curious. The, the, the entire operation is amazing to sort of behold. And then to think about moving all of that on the road like they're going to do this week, I, I am kind of kind of curious to see what all that goes into that because it's got to be a huge undertaking. Yeah, I mean, it's a little nerve You're going on the road with me this week, correct? No, Woj's, you got Woj. Well, Arizona, which is. Yeah, it's nerve wracking. It's going to be the first flight I've taken since, um, you know, the the pandemic has really uh, hit its stride. And, um, you know, I I think the other thing to say really quickly about just the the lack of positive tests, it's amazing to me how well, I guess, maybe the the peer pressure is is working Mm -hmm. around the league. You know, I think there's this. don't screw it up for everybody else attitude. And of course we've seen a few uh, cases where, where guys have kind of uh, the guy in Seattle tried to sneak someone to the dorms and uh, you know, that, that became a big national story. And I think coaches can say, look, here's what happens when you're a moron. Um, You could point to the Marlins case or the the Cardinals case. And I don't know what, you know, I never bothered researching what separated reality from fiction there, but it sounds like there was some irresponsible behavior. And so, well, and it, it definitely helped the NFL to be able or coaches to be able to point to that and say, look, no question. you know, we can't, this whole thing blows up if this happens. And look, it, training camp's a little different. Everybody's in a hotel, not everybody, but all the rookies are in a hotel and whatever. So it's a li- now they're on their own a little bit more when they're away from the facility, a Tuesday an off day, they're away from the facility more. So maybe there are some chances that teams are going to start having some more positive cases here, but it's been pretty impressive so far. And game day itself. I mean, we were there on Sunday. It was a strange environment. Um, no such Lambeau Field is going to, to me, feel even strange. I won't be there, but it's going to feel even stranger. You know, that scene at Lambeau, the tailgating, the, it's a more of a college atmosphere. That's going to be really bizarre to to make that drive into the stadium and park in that lot and then not – I don't know if there are going to be any people outside in the lots or not. There are going to be people. You're not going to have fans in the stadium – in the stadium and that's going to be strange. And I will say, I think we'll hear about it this week, but teams are going to have to f- figure out some way, like you could hear everything in that stadium on Sunday at Ford field. I mean, you could hear the bears yelling on the sideline as they were making a comeback. You could hear, you know, when there, when there were some injuries and it was just dead silent in there, it was really strange, but um, you could also hear all of, you know, Friday, Friday, Friday from Matthew Stafford and some of his calls of the line. That stuff's going to have to get changed week to week because everybody else is listening to it on the on the game film this week. Hey, John, we got another fan question here. All right. Who among oh, the boy. players was the most disappointing in the opener for you? Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. Um, and, you know, it wasn't Adrian Peterson. No, it was not. Um, and it it wasn't DeAndre Swift. I, I think people were expecting some big flashy debut from the from the rookie running back, and obviously it ended hor- horribly for him. But I, he got out there and did some things, scored a touchdown. Um, to be to be honest, if you're if you're matching it in terms of expectations, I would say Stafford. But that was partly mm-hmm. due, I think not having Galladay there, but. Some of the mistakes at the end are mistakes he can't make if you're going to win a game, especially against a division rival. And also in his defense, too, he hadn't played a game since, what, last, what, 
November? When did he early November last year? I mean, he missed the last half of last year, so he had some rust to shake off too in terms of the game situation. Some of those um late game moments, he hadn't done that in a long time. So maybe that's part of it too. But I thought he forced the issue a couple times when he didn't have to and it cost him. So I would say I would say him. I mean, there's plenty of choices on defense. And then I would also say the biggest disappointment, I think, and fans probably felt this going in, not seeing Jeff Okuda out there. I mean, your number one pick, you talked up, or we talked up in some cases all offseason, he's not out there. And then in the end, when he would have made a perhaps significant difference with all the injuries you had, yeah, that was, I think, frustrating for fans for sure. Yeah, that, that Stafford interception. I mean, it's it's just not a year eleven mistake, you know. No. Uh, you know, if you make that 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 pass and you try to force something in the second quarter, you go, okay, that was a bad play. You move on. In a crunch time situation, like he knows better. It just was a it was a bad decision. Um, trying to do you know, drop, yeah, there were some drops earlier too. I mean, his numbers weren't great early sure. on. Half it was just kind of ugly all the way around. Both teams. Um, you're expecting that more so from Mitch Trubisky than Matthew Stafford, but there were some drops. Cephas had a drop. I can't remember. There was like one or two other drops. That Jones, Marvin, yeah. Jones had one. Um, so that, but yeah, no, it looked like a guy trying to force things at the end, and it cost him. Well, and, and speaking of veterans making dumb mistakes, uh, oh yeah, Jamie, that's, Jamie exactly Collins, that's a better one. What I would say is the most disappointing. You know, yeah. I, I, you, you bring in him, you you pay him more than any of these other defensive pieces you brought in. He was supposed to be the the Swiss Army knife. And we got to see him all of a quarter and a half before he got himself ejected for. I feel like that long. <laughs> such, such an immature mistake. Like it just blows your mind that, um, you know, he would. Yeah. I, I don't even know where his brain went in that moment to, to think it was okay to. And, and I know it looked like nothing and I know what he was trying to do, but you just, you just can't have to know the line. And, and he clearly crossed it and uh, got the boot. And, you know, lines were counting on that counting on him uh so mm-hmm. uh to to think that he didn't have a, a role whether it was bringing pressure on the quarterback or dropping into coverage and maybe covering some of those zones underneath as trubisky's picking apart the secondary in the fourth quarter um you know uh, collins was sorely missed for sure yeah now he had a couple he had a one particular poor play where he overran something early on i remember that stood out and then uh yeah you're expecting him to be the swiss army knife guy that you're doing all sorts of things with and Luckily for them, I think they have depth at that position, so I think they were able to cover it up his loss maybe a little easier than they did in some of those injuries in the secondary. But, yeah, that was a huge loss. And like you said, it's just it's an inexcusable mistake. I mean, Patricia always talks about bad football. That's bad football. Uh, and they have not gotten rid of bad football. Yeah, a lot of, lot of missed tackles, some drops. Um, I think we, we all expected some degree mm-hmm. of sloppiness uh, with, with no preseason, with no OTAs, just not a lot of time to, to focus on those fundamentals you normally would. But um, guess what? Uh, Green Bay coming up. And uh, Aaron Rodgers did not look like he was missing uh, those preseason games. I don't, I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, but it's something like 73% completions, four touchdowns, somewhere like 400 yards. Like – Good time for your secondary to be. Screwed. Yeah, and we spent the entire offseason, the league, everybody covering the league, spent the entire offseason talking about how PO'd he'd be, you know, drafted Jordan Love. They didn't draft the, a receiver that he needed in the first round again. And, uh, you know, year two, year one, there were always some questions going in with the new coach. I thought they got along fairly well last year, but 
um, the, the, maybe they're sort of moving away from him and then to go out there and that, for, I mean, Nick held the ball, I think it was like 41, 42 minutes against the Vikings. Um, just, and just mauled them there at the end. I mean, they marched down the field two late touchdowns to just completely seal it um, behind an offensive line that got super banged up um, was, I mean, John Runyon, Michigan um, rookie from Michigan, sixth round pick ended up playing the last 15 snaps of the game at, at at right guard for them because of the injuries. Um, yeah, it didn't look like any problems there for the Packers and that offense. And then you think about, I don't know what you expect this week in terms of injuries. Um, Justin Coleman went on IR today. So that means he's gone till after the bye week. That, that just happened while we were doing this officially, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. So he's out three weeks. It's not eight weeks like it used to be covid rules now you've got a three-week short-term ir um so but still he's gone i don't just watching it desmond trufant he was sort of changing directions and just in the middle of a play grabbed the back of his right hamstring and and went down on one knee so that didn't to me feel like a one that's he's going to be out there running around sunday i don't you never know it's these guys are amazing athletes but um chance he's not out there so then what is your secondary look like uh not great um so so listen i thought daryl roberts came in and yeah uh you know he's got a lot of experience he's played for patricia before he can play both inside and outside and, and he made some plays uh he's probably so he's probably your slot sunday I, I yeah he might be that i mean it depends on okuda right and yeah, so if okuda still- played you've got okuda and Oruare on the outside and roberts at the slot i mean that. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if let's let's say Oroy. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's say Okuda's cleared. You know, they might not give him 70 snaps. They might not give him all. So you know, he might be split in times with with Roberts. Roberts plays outside in those situations, moves inside on, on nickel packages. Um, you know, play, play a ton of three safety looks like they did. Yeah, um, which is probably 80 percent of the time. Almost it felt like. Um, sure. Practice squad, D Virgin is there. I'm drawing, drawing a blank as to who else they kept on the practice squad, but he's a guy that you would think might get a promotion. I mean, Mike Ford is there, played, obviously. he He's a guy who's been around long enough that, um, you know, you can probably feel like you trust him in a, in a bigger role. But, yeah, it's a dicey situation going against, you know, any team, but let alone the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, you, know I, you, you think – the Lions aren't going to compete with the Packers. Week 17 last season, the Packers were playing for a bye. The Lions were playing for nothing with David Blau. And, uh, you know, they, they fought tooth and nail in that game, and it, it went down to the wire. So, um, you know, as, as much as I feel like Aaron Rodgers is ready to hang 70 points on, on the secondary, uh, you know, it still is an NFC North battle. Um, you know, I think Patricia's seen enough of Aaron Rodgers that – uh, he has been able to to scheme up some good stuff for him. I just, again, I think if it, if it goes down to the fourth quarter again, I I just don't, there's no reason for me to trust this Lions team to emerge victorious if this game is close, especially as you just described the Packers marching down the field on, on the Vikings defense, which is a far mm-hmm. more cohesive unit that's largely been together for, for some time with, you know, a, a really good uh, proven defensive head coach. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, and I mean, Daryl Bevel had a 
pretty good game plan called for them last year in Lambeau Field. First half, they lights out, um, play action deep multiple times. It would obviously be a huge help if Galladay is ready. And he looked like a guy they were being super cautious with with this injury. Didn't look like one that's going to extend for a long time. But um, well, I guess we'll see Wednesday, Thursday this week if he's out there at practice running around. But um, that would be a huge help. And they're going to have to outscore him. I mean, feels like you know, you're going to need 30 points maybe to, to beat Aaron Rodgers if your defense is as banged up as it looks. But you're also going to need that. We're sort of the opposite of last year. Last year, was the secondary was healthy and the front was decimated coming out of, you know, training camp and preseason for the Lions. This year, it's the opposite. I mean, you've got you've got all the guys you were, were waiting on uh, up front and in that linebacking core, and they're going to have to get some more pressure. Now, I don't know if Julian Okora – plays he needs to play more than seven snaps maybe he's ready for a little bit bigger role if he's going to be your guy that's going to get get you some situational pass rush but they're going to have to do more than what they did on Sunday against Mitch Trubisky yeah I you know I don't know who's going to cover Adams like that's that's just what I keep coming back to (laughs) who covers the guy that Darius Slay always Mm -hmm. said was one of the toughest covers in football and and just uh, went off for, I don't know how many catches. He had two touchdowns, um, you know, really torched that, that Viking secondary. Let, let me ask you this. Cause uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you have been around this team a little bit longer than I have. Um, you know, we, we talk about it and it gets asked to the coach and, and he takes the, you know, the, the right approach for what he needs to do, but how much do you think a loss, a demoralizing loss like week one carries over Um you know, especially in the early season, how much do you think they're going to have to worry about the mental aspect of where this team is at? Do you think there's a fragility there or do you think they're going to shake it off? I, I don't actually. Um, and I think last year we, last year was maybe a decent show of that. I mean, they, that was big, almost as big a gut punch, you know, losing that opener in Arizona and coming back, but they rebounded pretty well. Uh, I think this, these guys all have, you know, we talked about buy-in in year one with Patricia. If this was 2018, yeah, I think, and we probably saw it in 2018 in some ways, but I think there'd be a bigger concern about guys checking out or guys, you know what, what are we doing here? This isn't this isn't working. Um, I think these guys all more or less, by and large, believe in, in what they're trying to do and the message it, that they're getting from the coaching staff. So I don't think that's an issue. I also think, I mean, the caveat to all of this is week one in the NFL is always – sort of overreaction and week one to week two almost seems like it turns on a dime this year. I imagine it's going to be even more so. Um, And I do think teams are going to be able to go on the road and have a lot more success in the NFL, especially early this season when there's no fans in these buildings than a year ago. So I think there are certainly reasons where you can find some optimism in terms of the and the, you know, are they going to, pack it in and no of course they're not going to pack it in but i do think yeah we're probably overreacting to one loss to me the the bigger concern is the injuries and okay do you have the bodies in the positions you need um to go ahead and, and have it you know come up with a game plan to beat aaron Rodgers and the packers and in, in green bay yeah it's because if they go oh and two that's 12 percent of the season gone you know and and winless yeah. after 12 percent of the season it's just there, there is that extra playoff spot this year. There is a little bit more of a, a leeway to to recover, but um, you know. But you're zero two in the division, then, and, and yeah. 
good. Division is the pathway to, to the, you know, that's how you make sure you make the playoffs is you win divisional games. And they haven't done that in Patricia's time. He's 2-11 and 11 now in the division in, in his time in Detroit. You're not going to make the playoffs with a record like that. And and they know that. Um, schedule does not do them any favors because it's Green Bay here and then they go Arizona, which – I thought they were going to be a sort of an it team this year, and, and they certainly look like in the opener against San Francisco. And then you come home and play the, the Saints, who, you know, I think a lot of people have them win in the NFC. So I don't – as crazy as it sounds, if you're going to win a game, it might be this week. All right. So you already kind of hit on this uh, a little bit in uh, a previous answer. You know, we had a, we have a fan question just about um, how team cultures improved. Do the team respect the coaching staff now? And – what's causing the execution discipline. Um, I think, you know, the buy-in is there, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've completely turned over the roster and, and brought out our, our uh, moved out, I guess the, the players that um, weren't, weren't meshing with, with Patricia's right. style. They've replaced them with guys like Danny Amendola and Trey flowers and hundred uh, percent Patricia guys. I, I don't think there uh, there's a buy-in problem and, and let's face it, you know, culture is, largely overrated culture is buying into what's there but what determines a successful culture is winning yep. and so uh has that culture improved nope not yet uh in terms of execution and, and discipline i think if we knew the answers there on on why they were um falling short uh, probably would have a better job maybe as a football coach <laughs> uh, teams are hiring um the no i the Execution wise, I do wonder if there's some schematic things defensively that are are just sort of they haven't been able to get over. And I don't know if it's again, if it's the sort of the the over reliance on man coverage Patricia seems to prefer, obviously prefers, and, and whether that's an issue or not. Um and then offensively, look, you're gonna have to have guys make plays, but you're also gonna have to get Guys are going to have to not make those big mistakes. And Stafford made a couple of big ones. Obviously, DeAndre Swift one made at the end. Um, but I, positives, we should hit on some positives. I thought the offensive line was pretty good for debut. Um, and that gives you some hope. If I think if you're a Lions fan, I thought they they looked like a unit that could be pretty solid. Um, Haven't even seen the right tackle yet. Yeah, yeah, right. Special teams was a question mark to me, I thought, just because you got a new coordinator, you got a new specialist there in the punter. That was a bonus. Um, He's their best player. And then Adrian Peter, like I wondered about the running game, especially Carrion Johnson. We don't know what, you know, coming off the injuries and everything else. Um, and then them going out and getting Adrian Peterson sort of adds to that question mark in some ways. He looked like Adrian Peterson who could run for a 1,000 yards on, on Sunday. You know, some of that is the way the – Bears were playing defense and again with two safeties high or whatever, but he ran hard. He ran like Adrian Peterson has run his entire career, just not quite as um, maybe as fast, but um, he looked like a guy who should be able to carry the load in a lot of ways. So that, that was impressive. I thought too. So there are some positives there. And if they can get some of these guys back like Ken Galladay, I think there is some chance for that offense still to be as good as we thought it was going to be. Good news on the Adrian Peterson front Packers got, pretty chewed up on the ground by the Vikings um, similar style back in, in Dalvin cook. Um, I believe he replaced Adrian Peterson in Minnesota. Uh, but I, I think Minnesota ran for like something like six point something yards per carry. So 
good good chance that continues. Um, need to wrap this up, John. I'm already late for these coordinator conference calls, but we did get one last fast fan question, and it's predictable. Um, when does Matt Patricia get the boot? Uh, Week and, one. Yeah, yeah you fans would fans would have. I, I think fans would have been just fine. Sure. Pulling the plug in week one, that was clearly never going to happen. But um, could you see a situation where they do it in the middle of the season, or is this pandemic just make that even more? Yeah, I just I think logistically it's, it's such a nightmare. I mean, I always think it's 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 more for show than anything else. No question. When it when that happens in the NFL, you know, you see a guy, you know, Cincinnati does it or whatever. Um, I suppose there are interim options. I mean, a guy like Daryl Bevel could be an interim head, whatever. But no. I I don't think it's going to happen because clearly the GM and the coach and the quarterback are all sort of tied at the hip here. And you were there in the office with the new owner, um, you know, last December they're they've bought into the plan and everything else. They are impatient, but not as impatient as somebody who's just going to go and, and, you know, give a pink slip in week four or whatever, going into a bye week I don't think we're going to see a, a London, London massacre like we had after, you know, in 2005 when, when Martha Firestone Ford, you know, fired the president and the GM or anything like that. And that's what it's going to take. Cause I think they are tied together. Yeah. I, I know you just mentioned the schedule. I, I can't, I can't envision what it's going to be like if, if they yeah. get through that first quarter of the season and, and they end up winless, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, that there's going to be so much anger and, and maybe they're going to get away with it because there's no fans in the stands to boo. There's nobody in the stands with to the infamous bag on their head. Yeah. yeah. So no, um, in some ways the schedule and everything, it does feel a little like 2015, which started out awfully and ended up with people getting fired. But I, I just don't see that sort of drastic move happening until after the season. Well, we'll probably know a little bit more after bit. Sunday. Um, you know, hopefully we're not coming back here and talking about a 50 to 14 loss. And, but you know, I, who knows, who knows what that, what kind of secondary they'll be able to cobble together. Um, no, you're right. And I will say in parting, I do think like, Packers have some injury issues too. I mean, they lost a, they lost an offensive lineman for the season. Uh, Kenny Clark is also injured. They got some issues too. Everybody got issues, injury issues in the league this time of year, especially with no preseason and no, no off season really. So the lines are not alone in that. I think it's just a little glaring in the one position that we talked about, which is why it's too early to make a prediction. That's right. So for John Neal, I'm Justin Rogers. I don't know how this went on your end. Hopefully there weren't too many technical difficulties, but we'll uh, probably give this a go again sometime soon. Yes, we will. All right. Thanks for joining us folks.